What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome back, everybody, to Meet Us at Molly's, episode 96. Gina, we're only four, five, five episodes away from episode 100, including this episode that is yet to be recorded. I like, can't do math tonight. That is bananas. I know. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, as always, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Bryna, and with me, as always, is the lovely Gina. Gina, how are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm better. Yeah, I know you were feeling a little under the weather the other day, so. Yeah, I gotta get it together. Like, my, my body's not happy right now. Yeah. But no worries, so that's why we're recording now, and that's why you're hearing us on Monday instead of Friday. But t- yeah, so tonight we are going to be talking about episodes 16, so 416, 716, and 616. But before that, we are going to talk about the news. And guys, this was a really big week in one Chicagoland for news. It really was. All three shows have been renewed. That was very unexpected. Well, I think it was just unexpected in terms of the time. Timing. I mean, I don't think we had a doubt that all three shows were going to be renewed. Right. I'm just talking about the end of February was a very surprising time for them to be renewed. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Although it was a little confusing at first because so the way we first found out, you sent me, Marlon had posted an Instagram video showing them getting renewed. And like, you were like, I think we just got renewed, question mark. And, (laughs) but no one else had picked it up. Like Deadline hadn't picked it up. TV Line hadn't picked it up. EW, like nobody had picked it up. So we were like. Okay, I mean it's Marlin's official Instagram account, so like I I trust that you know she's not just posting some like fake video, but it was still like a weird like thirty minutes of our lives. We were like, I think we're renewed, but maybe I don't know. Yeah, it was a it was a good period of uncertainty there because I kept going on the deadlines page and I just kept refreshing because I was like, okay, because I understand they usually will tell the actors and actresses first. Right. And then it'll break to the news. And so I was just kind of like, well, we wouldn't not be renewed. Like, Marlon wouldn't have posted that if it wasn't true. true. And then, like, she had the video. And then I think Tori had echoed it. And she, like, retweeted or something. And then I went on to Marlon's page again. And the video was gone. Yeah. It just, yeah. So I think she kind of broke it a little too early. I'm not complaining, though, because, I mean... This saves us all the stressing out in the spring when we're like, why haven't they renewed us yet? We don't have to do that now. Yeah, and it's always cool. I mean, maybe she did post it like a little too early, but it's always really cool when you get to see those kind of videos from sets. I mean, regardless of whether it's a renewal announcement or just any kind of announcement, like it's really cool to see like how they find out. Um, yeah. And so that like seeing it from her perspective, like that was really cool. Um, I don't know if she got in trouble for posting that video or not, but I enjoyed it. So yeah. Um, but we did get a question about just kind of going off renewals and stuff from Allison. And she said, does this mean 
any contract negotiations for the cast members have likely been worked out already. I thought the articles about fire last year said that Jesse and Taylor had both signed one-year extensions, so their contracts would be up again. If the original PD cast had six-year initial contracts like Fire did, their contracts would be all up or all be up this year too? Question mark. Yeah. So this is something with contracts that I don't want to think about, but we kind of have to. Especially after last year with the whole Monica situation, I feel a little like not scarred, but kind of jaded almost because. Every year you're like, yes, another season. But then the longer the show goes on, you're like, okay, well, wait. I hope this means everybody's still going to sign on. Right. Yeah. And so I actually went back and, like, pulled up the deadline article from Fire Stuff last year just because I was curious to see, like, what it had said. Because I didn't – I kind of remembered that Jesse and Taylor had signed one-year extensions. But, like, I just wanted to, like, go back and read it. Um, And so it was interesting. So, yeah, according to this – I mean, this was, like, a I hear that – Jesse and Taylor have signed new deals or whatever. Um, But I just thought it was really interesting, too. So it was said, again, this is from last year. So the end of Fire Season 6 going into Fire Season 7. This was Deadline. And they said, you know, I hear sometime earlier this season, this season being Season 6, that Wolf Entertainment and Universal TV had approached Taylor and Jesse about new deals. And then they signed one-year extensions. At the time, they were also talking about, like, the other three main actors. So, Eamon, Monica, and David Eigenberg. And they hadn't necessarily been offered new contracts ahead of the renewal. So, I think if we're looking at the PD situation, I mean, obviously, we have no idea. Like, this is all just, like, our speculation. I would assume that it would be somewhat of a similar, similar situation that, like, maybe some of them had been approached like, ahead of a renewal, like, earlier this season in PD Season 6, and that some of them haven't. and that, But I'm sure that they'll all be worked out and whatever happens, happens. But I can't say for sure. I mean, obviously, we can't say for sure whether, like, all of the contracts have worked out and that they all follow the same plans because clearly they all don't, even if they all sign six-year deals, so. Yeah, and with the PD kids, I do remember them having signed, I thought it was a seven-year deal, but maybe it wasn't. But I won't lie. I mean, this has definitely been in the back of my mind all season. Yeah. is like, oh, man, I really hope everybody comes back. I really hope nobody's getting sick of their jobs, you know. So it's something we have absolutely no control over, and it's something that we really should not waste time worrying about, but it's still something on our minds. Yeah, for sure. And just, I mean, one other thing, too, is, like, you also don't know, like, those are for, like, the main, I mean, the main cast members that signed on, like, from the beginning. Like, we don't also necessarily know how, like, the other deals are structured. Like, we won't have any idea on how Kara Kilmer's deal is structured. Like, did she sign a six-year deal at the beginning of season three nobody knows like it could be structured very differently so like everyone's deal is different and yeah we can speculate about it but like we'll never know the answers and nor should we know the answers because that's something that needs to be left behind the scenes but it is something like you said we do kind of in the back of our heads like we're always going to be worrying about so right and I mean not that it's anything to go off of but I mean all the PD kids seemed really happy about renewal. There was nobody kind of sitting off in the background being like, "Mm." so, you know, if you want to read into something, I guess you can kind of read into that. But again, it's all futile. We don't know anything about the contract negotiations, nor should we. It's not really our place. Right. Our place is to, you know, enjoy the product that they put out and maybe analyze it a little too much. I mean, that's what our (laughs) 
podcast is all about. But it's all, you know, it's all in good fun. And that's what they're, it's supposed to be for us. It's all supposed to be fun. We're not supposed to think about the contract stuff. That's for the Hollywood stuff. But yeah, but it's really exciting that they're all coming back and that we know so early. So you guys aren't getting rid of us again. <laughs> we'll be back. You're stuck with us another year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess the only other piece of news this week was there was a interview with Miranda from Hollywood Life. And she touched on a couple different things. Um she talked a little bit about her, this will-they-won't-they they romance with Keith. Um, and one of the things she said, you know, like, it's certainly looking that way, meaning, like, that a romance is going to develop. They definitely have chemistry. He makes her laugh, which is a big deal. Stella doesn't want to rush into anything, and she's also doing her best not to shut down something that could be good for her. All right. Okay. But then we keep going. So she talked, obviously, of course, about Severide and the stellaride of it all. So on Severide, she was talking about, you know, she said, like, who knows what's going on in that man's head? That's the one thing Stella isn't investigating right now. It's a jigsaw puzzle, and she isn't, she is leaving it alone. Has she been listening to the pod? Because <laughs> that's exactly how I feel at certain points. I'm like, this is too complicated. You do your thing, Severide. Go be moody. I'll be here when you want to pull your head out of your ass. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. So then she keeps going on that further when she was talking about, like, Stellaride's future specifically. And she says, if Kelly tries to win her back and starts communicating more than yes, like, they could get back together. Um, I also think Stella needs to stop trying to save him from himself. She's got to trust their bond and give him space when he needs it. Let him spiral out of out for a minute and then be there chilling when he comes back to his senses. That's interesting. I'm good with most of it. It's that last sentence that, like, kind of irks me. I mean, a little bit, like, the let him smile out for a minute and then just be there chilling when he comes back. Like, eh. Well, I kind of get it, though, because you know what? You know whose job it is to be there for him when he spirals? It's Casey's. I mean, yes, right now, because, like, he and Stella are not together. Like, I get that. But also, like, I don't know, I think it was just the then be there chilling, like, but I mean, I know that it's, like, meant differently, but it was just, like, that sentence when I first read it, it was like, but I, like, but yeah, I, I get it. Like, it is Casey's job to be there for him, and I'd, Bowdoin's, I'd go so far as to say Bowdoin's, too, but. Yeah, it's interesting, because it makes me think of last year when Casey was telling Stella, he's like, you know, Gabby and Kelly have these corners of themselves that you know we can't even reach oh yeah i remember that but i don't know if that's necessarily true i feel like the corners that the corners of kelly that stella can't reach casey can reach yeah i don't know i think we haven't at least for a while i mean not since like the immediate like aftermath of shay's death like we haven't really seen i mean we've seen severide like spiral a little bit i guess after anna's death too but even then, that's been, like, two seasons ago. Like, we haven't seen Kelly, like, really spiral. So, I don't know. We'll see. I guess it just depends on, like, how far, if this actually is a spiral and how far the spiral will actually go. Yeah. How would you, I mean, I would say that he's, I wouldn't say he's still in the spiral. No, I don't think this is, like, looking like it's a normal, quote-unquote, spiral for him. Or at least what I would define as, like, spirals, meaning, like, after Shay's death and after Anna's death. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, I mean, there's something going on with him. What it like is specifically, I don't know. I think, I mean, there's something going on with him after since Benny's death, but what it is, I don't know. He's just kind of trying to find himself again. Yeah, I think that's definitely more what it was. Like the other ones, I think Shay especially and Anna to a certain extent. Like I mean, they like rocked Severide's world. Like Severide was, I mean, we saw it. Like he was in a spiral. Um, with Benny, it's just it's been so interesting because he's had he had such that up and down relationship with Benny, and so. It's just, I, they had just such a complicated relationship that I think that it really impacted, like, how he is grieving Benny's death. And, you know, mm-hmm. just like, like you said, he's trying to find himself and find, I don't know, it's just, it's so weird. And so there's a lot to process there. And I think that's what Severed's really trying to, like, go through is, like, how to process it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But that was it for the news. As always, if you guys see it, anything, let us know. You know, you guys have been really always great about sending it to us on Twitter or email. And so we really appreciate it. But if you're ready, I guess we can just jump right into med. Let's do it. This is another, I mean, not as great as last week's episode, but another solid episode for med. I like this one. Yeah. It was pretty solid. There were some moments that I eye rolled. There was one moment that I busted out laughing when I shouldn't have. But yeah, it was a good episode. So I guess let's just start with Ethan and April. So the Ethan and April storyline is a very interesting one on a lot of different levels. Both what happened to them like with their personal relationship this week and then obviously their case. Their case was very heavy and a lot to talk about. So... Basically, April has forgiven Ethan for calling her a murderer. (laughs) Casual. And I don't know if I would have necessarily have forgiven him that fast, but okay. And But she's forgiven him so much that she invites him out with friends to go out and have fun. But it turns out Ethan can't go because he's meeting Vicky's parents. I didn't realize he and Vicky were at that point already. I didn't either. But apparently they are. Okay. I mean, but I guess they aren't really actually there. But we'll get we'll get there in a second. Um, mm-hmm. So basically their case, though, was they, when they're having this first conversation, you know, about inviting him out and the, him saying no because of Vicky's parents, they run into this family in the parking lot who brings in this young boy, Thomas, who is very ill and he has leukemia? Something yeah. Like, yeah, I think he did have, he had a form of leukemia. Yeah, and then ended up contracting meningitis. Um, oh, I haven't even thing. I don't know why. Whatever. Anyway, I'm like all over the place tonight. Anyway, so basically he has meningitis and he's going to need to get like a bone marrow donation. And at first they were really kind of concerned because, they, you know, obviously you have to find the right match. But basically, as it turned out, his parents conceived their second son specifically so that he could donate to his brother. And the second son is donated, I mean, everything from like kidneys already to, I mean, other, I don't remember exactly what else, but a couple other things. And I mean, he's only like eight or something like that. 
So he's been through a lot, the second kid has. And then when they are starting to go through the process again, I mean, the second kid literally has a panic attack when he realizes, like, what's going to happen. But the parents kind of guilt him into thinking that donating to his brother is what he wants. Um, But in the end, I mean, the test results for this young boy, Thomas, reveal that he stopped taking his medication. And then that prompts him to reveal that, like, he doesn't even want to fight anymore. And he, you know, just wants to kind of die as he would. So. Wow. Yeah. Have you read My Sister's Keeper? I have not. I haven't either. Um, but I know what it's about. So Allison had sent us an email and she was just, you know, asking for our thoughts on this storyline. She said, I thought it was entirely too much like the book, My Sister's Keeper by Jodi Picoult. Um, the book is excellent, but it's an entire book to get you to care about the characters and how complex and heartbreaking the situation is. There were too many other things happening in this episode for them to do this story justice. How come no one has tried discussing with the parents that their younger child is also a living, breathing human and not just a sibling's donor? And it sounded like he had a bad experience with the anesthesia that could mean higher risk during another procedure. She And then she goes on to say, you know, just based on past episodes of Med, I fully expected them to try to get the guardian appointed to make medical decisions for the kid or something, not just say they had to go along with the kid's decision. Yeah, I haven't read the book, but just simply from the dynamics of this case that they conceived the second child purely to be a donor like to me that sounds so messed up and there might be other nuances and things having to do with a matter like that that could contribute to that decision to conceive a second child to be a donor for the older child but for me what i'm hearing based on face value that to me is so fucked up but I, I have not had an experience with that. So if somebody has, you know, please feel free to let us know. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, like, for me personally, like you said, like, I think that sounds, like, messed up. And I don't agree with that at all. Um, and especially, like, once it gets to the point where the second child is able to communicate with them and, like, clearly is, I mean, he had a panic attack about, like, when he realized, like, what was actually going to happen. Um, so, like, once they are, like, out in the, the second child is out into this world and is, you know, able to communicate, like, I think that needs to also play a part in it. But again, I also, like you said, like, we've never been in this situation where we would have had to even think about conceiving a second child so that they could be a donor for all the things necessary I mean I don't even know if I would have even never thought of that if I was in someone's situation I don't know it's so hard to speak about because I feel like this is only something you can really speak about if you've ever been in this situation but from my outsider perspective I definitely don't understand it same so But yeah, it definitely was an interesting case. And I do kind of agree with Allison, though. Like, there was so much happening with tonight. Um, And especially, I feel like, because one of the cases this week was, I mean, essentially one of the members, you know, a member of of One Chicago, um, when we talk about CC. Like, I feel like that kind of Mm -hmm. overshadowed a lot of it. And so, like, I do kind of agree with Allison that, like, I would have liked to maybe have seen this case in a different week 
so that it could have gotten, like, a little more attention. Because I do think it is kind of interesting that, like, she's pointed out, like, they kind of did typically stray from what they would have probably how they would have handled a situation like this in past episodes of med so i wonder if that was more of just like a we don't have as much time to delve into this so like we're gonna handle it a little differently or that was just how ethan and april would have chosen to handle it i don't know but well yeah i think i don't know if it was so atypical that they just kind of went along with the um you know they kind of went along with the kid's decision but i think it might have been more so a function of who the doctor was because you don't usually see that kind of belligerence with Ethan and April together. If it's April by herself, you'll see it sometimes. But Ethan and April together, they usually tend to be kind of chill on like a united front. I, yes, but not recently. And maybe now they're on a new leaf. They're turn- they've turned a new leaf. So, like, maybe they're back on being on more of the same page. But so much of season four has been them not being on the same page. So, for this season, it's just, it seems a little different. Um, but, I, like, again, regardless of that part, like, I do kind of wish that we had gotten to see a little more attention to this storyline. But it was definitely still, I mean, that when he ta- when he was talking about how um, I don't remember his exact words. I don't have them written down. I have to go back and pull up our Twitter. But when he was, you know, like, talking to his mom and dad, Tyler was talking to his mom and dad about how, you know, he wanted to stop fighting and, you know, he's ready. And I was just like, I mean, it was like, oh, my God. Like. Yeah. It's very emotional. Mm-hmm. So going back to the Ethan-April relationship part, Basically, the episode ends with Troy pulling a 180 on Vicky and telling her that he wasn't really being, he's not really been fair to her and he doesn't think it's right for him to go meet her parents when he's not really on the same page as her. AKA, he still has feelings for April. So it's like, duh. Yeah, so, I mean, what's he going to do about it now? You broke up with Vicky, but are you actually going to go act on it now or are you just going to like, stand around and pine for her for another couple weeks i don't know it's interesting because i mean remember god i don't remember which episode specifically it was but the gas leak episode where april at the very end was gonna go talk to ethan be like i'm gonna say my feelings now like this is it and then she saw ethan and vicky together mm-hmm. i wonder if april finds out like when april finds out that vicky and ethan aren't together anymore if she's still feeling empowered to say something or if after everything that's happened since then if she's like a little more hesitant and wants to wait a couple more episodes before she says something yeah i have a feeling almost i feel like it's gonna be april who says who like makes the first move or makes the first move again just because like or they're just both gonna kiss out of nowhere (laughs) maybe because, like, the first time they got together, it was Ethan, so I wonder if it would be, like, April's turn. I don't know if that's really how things work, but mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool to see, like, April, like, be the one to say something. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. But we are clearly, obviously, working our way towards a reunion in in the finale or in the last, like, few episodes, for sure. Would be nice, yeah. Or at least it seems like we're getting there, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's really it for the Ethan and April stuff. But 
Let's move into the Connor and Ava and Daniel and Cece and Sharon of it all because it all kind of just goes together. So basically, Dr. Charles' ex-wife, Cece, and has a heart problem in the beginning and that's preventing her from getting accepted or being able to participate in this clinical trial. So they call in Connor, of course, to get in another opinion. And basically, in order to get her right in time for this clinical trial, they, her heart issue would require a dangerous surgery, and Connor's not willing to do it. What the fuck is this? Okay, this I think this might have been when I busted out laughing, or it was probably when Connor and Ava were in Goodwin's office, and Goodwin admonished her for being unprofessional. Yeah. That might have been when I lost it. But this is like the most out-of-character thing that I've ever seen Connor do. Like... What did your God complex just skip out for coffee? What the fuck just happened? I don't know. It's like, I mean, I get it. Like, I understand what, why everyone's like, what, huh? Like, because I, too, for a second was like, wait, what? But, like, I think the more that I think about it, like, I think Connor, when it comes to the people he really cares about, like, yes, sometimes he does obviously want to help, and if he can do something, he does. But I think he's always kind of been a little hesitant, like, because he doesn't want something to go wrong. Because deep down, maybe he doesn't want to lose more people. He doesn't really have anyone. He operated on Pat Halstead. Yeah, but that's not the same thing. Didn't he operate on Dr. Downey in season yeah. one? And I think that may have something to do, like, I mean, subconsciously, obviously, has something to do with it. I'm talking about, like, obviously, Pat Halstead is one thing. Because, like, yes, Will and Connor are friends, and I guess Connor and Jay are friends, too, but, like, Cece is Robin's mom. And clearly, Connor still cares about Robin. So it's, mm-hmm. like, slightly different. I still think that was a little out of character for I Connor. mean, I do think it's a little out of character, and I see why. Like, I mean, Connor should be, you know... I mean, going back in history, like, Connor would have jumped at the chance for this, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it has something to do with, like, who the patient is and why it doesn't, like, completely surprise me that he wasn't willing to. Yeah. But regardless, it doesn't matter because Ava swoops in and decides she's going to do it herself. Which, I mean, if we look at Connor's reaction, that was equally fucked up because his whole attitude is like, if I can't do it, nobody can. Yes, but here's – I think it's more – I mean, at least from my world and my knowledge, I don't think it's necessarily, like, I mean, well, in Connor's case, it might be the God complex and being like, hey, if I can't do it, nobody can. But it also, I mean, it's just, it was so unprofessional. Like, if you wanted the case, okay, fine, or you wanted to look at it, okay, fine. But, like, heads up would have been nice. Like, that's more, I think, where at least I would have taken issue with it. But who knows? Yeah. So... Sharon, of course, took issue with this, and she chastises Ava for her unprofessional behavior. But my favorite part of this whole thing was when she is chewing out both Connor and Ava, and she says, you two may think I'm fascinated by your little soap opera, but I couldn't care less. Preach it! Good way! That was like a, is the writer's room been listening? Because, like, hello. 
I know, I know. I think that might have been what I busted out laughing was when Sharon was chastising them because Connor and Ava literally stormed into her office like two feuding toddlers. Like, she started it. He did it. You know, it was, that's exactly what happened. And I was like, oh, here we go again. But my favorite part, though, is like, not only did she chastise them, I mean, she literally says, like, I could, you may think I'm fascinated, fascinated by your soap opera, but I couldn't care less. Like, it was just like, the fact that she called it a soap opera, because it is a soap opera. I was just like, yes, good one. Yeah. Just like, preach. Yeah. Um, but does that stop Sharon from letting Ava do the surgery? Nope. Of course not. Because this is med. Anyway. Because Goodwin's an enabler. Yeah. She is. I, I have a lot. Of, I love Sharon, for the most part, as a character. I cannot stand the way she runs this hospital. Thank you. Yeah, she's a total badass, but she's not a good leader. No, not at all. I like, I not even just like a leader, like just from like her, whatever her business plan is, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand her business savvy at all because I don't really think she has any. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so she lets Ava do the surgery and Connor, like we said, Connor's like, hell no, and decides basically if anyone's going to potentially kill Cece, like he wants it to be him or he at least wants to be. There's the God complex. He wants to at least there be in the room. So he can prevent something from happening. Um, but Laura, mentioned, Laura pointed out, she said, you know, she wants to know why Ava's doing always typically on the safe side and doesn't really do risky surgeries, but decided to do Robin's mom surgery. Which totally loops into what I was saying before, that Connor not doing the surgery is out of character AF. Yes. But that means that this is also, I mean, it's not out totally out of character character for Ava in the last couple of episodes just because like she and Connor are playing this game and whatever I don't know where it's going but whatever it's going somewhere but like typically like mm-hmm. girls pointing out like this would have been something a little out of character for Ava because Ava does typically tend to go on like a more safe rule follow the rules side so the fact that she's like willing to just jump in for this risky surgery for Robin's mom is like a little out of character yeah. So, but I wouldn't have necessarily thought about that, but I thought that was interesting that Laurel pointed that out in an email to us. Um, but basically, I mean, Cece pulls through as expected. Um, and basically, Connor tells Ava to never put him in that position again. Which, I mean, she didn't really put him in any position. But that was really scathing when he said that, too. He was like, don't ever do that again. I was like, oh, oh, I felt yeah, that. Yeah, that was like Ooh. a we're done, never speak to me again kind of, like, tone. Yeah. But, like, I don't – she didn't put him in any position. I mean, she just – you know, she undermined him a little bit. If it had been with any other patient, like a random person, yeah, she would have undermined him. But it was Robin. I mean, it was somebody that, like, they all knew. But he didn't have to be in the room. He just put himself I there. I think – yeah, I don't think she necessarily put him in a position – but again, like, I definitely take problem with Ava, like, going under, like, Connor like that. Just because it's not like Robin then went to Ava and was like, hey, Connor's not going to do this. Will you at least look at it? And then just Ava didn't tell Connor about it. Like, Ava just was like, mm-hmm. oh, Robin's mom's in the hospital? Like, Connor's not doing the surgery? Like, let me see if I can do something to, like, slightly piss off Connor and, like, make myself look good. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I feel like her motivation is never really to piss him off. It just doesn't really take much to do that. 
I think this week she was trying to piss him off. I think especially hmm. after the comments he made about fuck, now I cannot remember the exact words that she he used. But the scene end of the end of the epi- the end of the episode last week where Connor was like in the waiting room and she like came out and what did he call fuck, what did he say? Well, I, he just, his point was that, you know, she was making these situations so she could come in and fix that them. That was it. That was it. Um, yeah. But, like, kind of going off of that, like, I feel like she was probably really pissed about that. And so she seemed like she wants to, like, prove him wrong. But, and maybe reverse it. That was kind of my read on it. But, I don't know. See, and I feel like Goodwin doesn't even know the half of their soap opera, quote unquote. Because... If she knew the half of it, she would have separated these two a long time ago. Would she have, though? I would like to think that she would have, but you are correct. <laughs> I mean, should she have, I think, should she have separated them a long time ago if she, had she known the half of it? Yes. Would she have? Probably not. So let me, let me rephrase it then. Lanik would have separated them a long time yes. ago. Yes. Gwen would have separated them a long time ago. Sharon. Eh. Yeah. Well, no, Gwen would have kept them together because she likes to watch things burn. <laughs> Except not when her money's at stake. No, that's true. But I just picture her sitting in the corner and be like, Mwahaha. Yeah. Mwahaha. Fight, little kitties. Fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, Connor and Ava are definitely not in a good place at all. I don't know where we go from here, but they're not in a good place. Nope. But... So there were a couple good scenes though in within the storyline with between Daniel and Cece. And I just I really love these two. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people do too. I mean, Laurel said, you know, like I love the scene between Daniel and Cece when she voiced her concerns about the surgery. He was distressed about her distress. He clearly gets butterflies around her. This is a couple I'm rooting for. I wanna know why they got divorced in the first place. There's so much backstory there. This is all stuff that I was not expecting. I just thought we'd skim the surface with these two. I didn't think that we'd get, like, a full-bodied ship out of it. Yeah. Well, I don't know, like, I'd assume she'd come back for the next episode back because this their story doesn't feel finished. But I don't right. know. I mean, I the only thing that I remember reading her in was, like, these two episode descriptions. Um, but I would assume, like, their story doesn't feel finished. And I... Right. I want to learn more. Like you said, like, I, there's so much backstory there just between their relationship and the family stuff from, like, Dr. Charles' mom and Robin. Like, there's just so much there that I would have not ever expected us to delve into, but I'm really happy we are. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I really like those two, like Laurel. So, I don't know if I necessarily ship them, though, but I really like them. Yeah, I like getting to. I, I I just want to know their history. I want to know more. Like, why did they get divorced? I mean, it seemed like they had such a good story in getting together. You know, does Robin have any brothers or sisters? I just kind of want to know all of the things. And obviously, Doctor Charles still has feelings for her, as Goodwin pointed out. So she can't lead, but she has a really good intuition. Yeah. And I'm assuming, I mean, I'm assuming she, since she got the surgery and everything went okay, that she'll be able to get into this trial that Med's doing. So, like, I'm assuming she's coming back, but I don't know. Yeah. So, but that is definitely, that's definitely been, like, 
one of the highlights of Med in the last, like, couple episodes. It's just been, like, a nice, mm-hmm. like, change of something unexpected, so. Yep. <sighs> I guess let's get into the Will and Natalie of all this. This wasn't too bad this week, though. Okay, I didn't think it was too bad this week. Twitter <laughs> had a field day with this episode, dear lord. Yeah, okay, T- yeah. Twitter exploded. Yeah, but. we got a lot. I put out, we'll get there, but I put out a question on Twitter and it got a lot of response to Will and Natalie of it all. <laughs> so basically, on the Will half of this episode, the episode starts out and Jay and Will are going for a walk, walking Will's new dog, Cole. And they find a frozen body just chilling in the snow out in the cold. And Will, you know, goes into doctor mode and Jay was just like so not he was so nonchalant about it i was was like i can't think of the word right now but nonchalant's the word i was looking for yeah i was just like what the fuck are you doing like why aren't you more panicked like what the hell yeah there were a lot of funny bits about that scene that weren't supposed to be funny but were um yeah that for sure when will's like oh my god it's a body and jay's just like oh I, he's this like, I, now granted, I get like, he's like, I'll guess I'll call 911. Like, okay, I was like, yeah. okay, Jay. Like, I get that, you know, you're a police officer, you see this all the time, but like, it's your neighborhood. A little bit more urgency. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But I, I thought the whole bit when he was giving him crap about the laundry, that was pretty funny. Yeah. So, basically, what happens with this woman is. They assume at first, you know, just because of the way her body was found, that she was, you know, assaulted, robbed, and dumped in the snow. But that's not it at all. As it turns out, she was super drunk and was basically out in the neighborhood spying on her ex-wife and her new girlfriend. Poor girl. I didn't even know someone's blood alcohol like level could get to 300. Yeah, it can. Isn't there a level where you're, like, clinically dead? I'm sure there is. But, like, isn't .08 the legal limit? Yeah. Like, 300! I know. Like, like, they said that, and they kind of said it, like, a little nonchalant, and I was just like, wait, huh? Like, 300! Well, because... Yeah, the, the way that Will said it was kind of weird. So, I mean, does he mean 300 as in, like, 300 the whole number or 300 as in point three? I think point three. But still, if point eight is the legal limit, like, point three is still, like, a lot more. Yeah. No, I think he means 300. But, or, like, no, 300 is in, like, point three. But still. Yeah. Like, crazy. I mean, this poor woman, because, like, she definitely did get hammered. She definitely did go to her ex- her ex-wife's house, which, like, okay, drunken mistake, whatever. But the woman loses her fingers because of it. Like, ugh, poor thing. Like, that yeah. sucks. It, it, and not just, like, one finger. Like, all of her fingers. All five. Yep. Yeah. Man. Yeah, it was bad. And basically, where it ends with Will for this part of the episode is will so will the whole time you know will's been living on jay's couch and he and jay were talking about finding new apartments will's been searching hadn't really found anything he does end up finding a new apartment that he likes and as it turns out agent lee is gonna be his new neighbor i don't hate this 
Why, Gina? I just don't. I don't know. Because he found the apartment and I was like, good for you. Like, you know, Jay's probably really glad that you're getting the dog out of his house because that's weird that you were just like, I'm going to get a dog and bring it right to Jay's house, like you were saying. But then, yeah, when he like came up on her, I was like, oh, I was like, it's Agent Lee. I was like, this, I don't mind this. This, I don't, I just don't. I don't know. I don't mind it. I don't, okay. So a couple things. One, I had, like, when I had this feeling, when I was like, when he was like looking around the apartment, I really thought they were going to make Will crazy for a hot second and, like, have it be in the same apartment building as Philip or, like, at least in the same neighborhood. <laughs> that, like, they were going to run into Philip. Like, when he was walking out, like, that's who he was going to run into. And I was going to be like, oh, my God, why, Will, no, stop, please. Um, that was my first fear. And I'm really glad that didn't happen. I don't mind the Agent Lee part of it. I just, like... It kind of feels like, I mean, everyone on Twitter was talking about, like, it kind of feels, I guess, like, there's going to be something romantically between them. Because, like, why would you bring her back, her back of all people, um, if it's not? Um, And my only concern with that is just it bringing up things, bringing back up things for Will that he's not really ready to deal with yet. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. That's something that I definitely didn't think of because, I mean, I feel like they wouldn't bring her back for just one scene to be like, hey, look, Agent Lee lives in his neighborhood. I feel like they're probably going to try to make something out of these right. two. So I don't mind it. But then when you mentioned that, I was like, okay, actually, yeah, I forgot about that. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, that's my only concern. Like, I don't, like, I don't mind Will. I definitely don't mind Will going out with someone who's not in the hospital. Like, please. Go without someone who doesn't work in the hospital for a little bit. Like, I think we all need that. But, yeah, I just, I, with it, Agent Lee and obviously her being such a catalyst for everything Will went through in the first half of the season, I, I have a feeling it's going to bring up some stuff for him. And I don't think he's, I mean, he's starting, you know, he says he's going through therapy and stuff, which is great, but like, he's not, I don't think he's going to be ready to deal with whatever he feelings get brought up when he's with her so we'll see yeah yeah I get that I just I wonder what they're gonna be like together because he drove her insane during the whole Ray thing yeah he drove her crazy and I think it'd be interesting to see you know like whether this becomes like just I mean it could just purely be like a friends with benefits thing and like uh friends with benefits like let me take you out in public to make Natalie jealous kind of thing or whether he actually has feelings for her like it gets deeper I don't know so yeah but that is definitely something to stay tuned but on the Natalie side of it all Natalie basically spends her whole the whole episode on a house call for Philip and it's nothing even too crazy I mean the basically the baby won't stop crying and they think maybe something's wrong medically but it's not really medically and Natalie ends up, like, rocking her to sleep, and they, like, put her down, and Philip's like, you should stay for dinner, and Natalie's like, I don't know, and Philip's like, no, you should stay, I'll order Chinese, and she's like, okay, and then they end up making out in the kitchen. I don't hate this either. I don't hate this one either. You know what I think it might be, though, is that Natalie and Ian, or Natalie, Tori and Ian, you can tell that they're BFFs who have worked together in the past. They have killer chemistry just because they're such good friends. Yeah. 
And I think that helps with Natalie and Philip together. Because, like, that scene where they're just, like, laughing hysterically with each other, like, I mean, you can, you can just see the chemistry. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I don't know, I think it's so complicated, too. Like, I mean, on the one hand, like, I'm just very much of a prominent, I'm not saying that Philip's going to be her end-all be-all, because I don't think that at all. But, like, sometimes it is nice, especially just as a viewer, to, like, have these, like, fresh relationships with, like, where a character from the hospital, like, is seeing someone that's, like, not a part of that world at all. And it's just, mm-hmm. like, it's just nice for, like, a couple episodes. I don't need it to be for forever, but just, like, it's nice to have it for a little bit. And so far, that's what this has right. been. And, yeah. I mean, but I understand why people are upset about it. So, after the episode, after the scene happened, I put the question out on our Twitter because I was tweeting at the time. And I was like, what do you guys think about Natalie and Philip? Love it or hate it? And it was honestly, I mean, we got, like, a lot of replies to that. And it was pretty even split between, like, love it or hate it. Mm -hmm. Somebody did say both, and I don't remember who it was, but someone did say both, which is kind of where I fall. Like, I understand why people hate it, but I kind of love it. Um, But so I just took two examples, or two that were more than just, like, had a reason why on our that were replies to us. Um, So Carolyn said, hate it. She moved on too fast, not to mention Philip. Just lost his wife a couple of months ago and has a newborn baby with health problems. And, like, Philip was always interested in that. It's so wrong. Why is Chicago Med doing this to us? <laughs> I understand that. Like, I... And I don't know if... They, that, that, here's my thing. I don't know if it's... I necessarily see it as, like, moving on. Because, like, no one's saying that Natalie still is over Will. And nobody's saying that Will's over Natalie. That's clearly not the case. I think they're just... Also, at least in Natalie's case, because Will, we don't know what's going to happen with Agent Lee. But, like, in Natalie's case, she also can't deny that, like, here is someone in Philip who in some way cares about her. And she's right. attracted to him. So, like, yeah, Will, things like with Will are, like, a little messed up right now. But, like, she's not attached to Will right now. So, like, why can't she at least make out with Philip and see if there is something there? Yeah. I see no harm in these two seeing other people at the moment. And to be honest, a lot of couples on this show could benefit from that right now. If Connor and Ava were to do that, I would yeah. be thrilled. And like I said, I don't just, like, no one say like, I don't think they've, either one of them have moved on. Even though Natalie is, like, making out with Philip, I don't think she's moved on from Will. No. She's just making out with Philip. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. So. But then... We had a tweet from Bionic Tweets who said, Will is just being a dick, so I don't feel sorry. So I do feel sorry for her. I somehow suspect true love will win out, but they both need to realize that a bit like Ethan and April, man, those two are made for each other. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, well, would I say Will's being a dick? Will has been a dick in the past. I think he's just kind of. Yeah, maybe know, not like being a bonehead this right episode, now. but like obviously. All of season three, or not season three, all of season four, up at like the first half of season four. Yeah, Will was <laughs> not great. So, no. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I agree. I, Will and Natalie will be together again at some point. Oh, yeah. It's just oh, yeah. right now, they just need to realize, you know, they need to work on themselves. Yep. 
But then we also got a message from Alice G, and she said, so, I mean, kind of going off of that, you know, like, is there a plan to have Will and Natalie both get involved with other people to delay the inevitable Manstead reunion? Um, and then she went on to say the same things that we had said about Will and Agent Lee. I mean, you can't have Manstead, like, they weren't going to ever have Manstead get right back together, either. This is TV. No. It doesn't happen like that. No, and if you do it too easily, then they get boring. Like, I, 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 I always say it, and I always stand by it. Season 2 Dossie, after they got together, they got boring. Everything was smooth sailing, and there was nothing going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and at some point, like, yeah, you want your characters to get married. Like, you don't want them to just, like, break up and get back together forever. But, like, Will and Natalie both clearly still have a bunch of stuff to work out. And I think they're only going to learn more about themselves by being in these other relationships. So, for the benefit of Manstead and the future Manstead babies or whatever we want to have, the future Manstead family, like, they've got to be with these other people now. So. But, yeah, I think that's all for Med. Gina, do you have any other thoughts on Med this week? No, not really. There we go. (laughs) So, we can just move straight into Fire. Um, let's start with Severide and Grissom. Yes, let's. So basically, the episode opens up, and Grissom stops by Sev's place and basically tells him that the mayor's office is coming after him, and the mayor's office is going to put together this performance review task force, and Grissom wants Firehouse 51 to impress that task force when they come by and, you know, talk to 51, a.k.a. they he wants Grissom to, like, 51 to make Grissom look good. I think that Grissom made a house call is kind of creepy. Like, I'm trying to imagine if, like, my boss showed up at my door and I'd be like, uh... Everybody was making house why? calls this week. I mean, the chaplain made a house True call. Story. Grissom made a house call. Natalie made a house call. Everybody's making house <laughs> calls this week. Damn. You get a house call. You get a house call. It's like, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I guess with Grissom... I mean, right now, obviously, Severide and Grissom's relationship isn't totally in the best place. Not as weird with Grissom, because, like, Grissom and Sev are, like, family friends. So, like, not completely crazy with mm-hmm. Grissom. But, yeah, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, like, Severide takes a, you know, is, like, hesitant about this and, you know, is, like, a little standoffish, and basically the whole conversation ends, though, with Grissom being, like, don't let anyone tell you you're not your father's son. I had to think about this line. Like, I had to let it kind of sit and simmer for a second. I was, like, I kind of, like, diagrammed it. I was, like, don't, and you're not your father. I was, oh, that's below the belt. Yeah. Like, you could see it on Sev's face, because just, that's below the belt. How many times has Severin said, like, I'm not Benny, I'm not him? Not cool. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously, Grissom knows that and knows that it was going to hit a nerve. So. Basically, and so this task force does come to visit. Because Bowden, Severide was telling Bowden and Casey about it. And Bowden was like, actually, I think we should kind of go with Grissom. Because, yeah, Grissom may have played politics to get to the commissioner spot. But once he's gotten in the commissioner spot, he's really approached it as, like, a firefighter and has done some good things. So Bowden's like, yeah, I think we should kind of go with Grissom on this. So basically, the task force does come to visit, but their visit gets interrupted by this huge call. And so they go on this call, house fire, 
And Squad goes in, truck, you know, all the things. And Squad basically finds themselves in kind of a pickle, and Severide falls down the stairs because we can't have enough pilot flashbacks to, like, scar us all. <laughs> and so, basically, things get bad, and so Grissom and Bowden actually have to, like, go in and get their hands dirty. And I had this, like, really super random thought while I was watching the scene. What was Bowden and Grissom's background before they became, like, chief and commissioner, like, respectively? Like, were they on truck? Were they on engine? Were they on squad? Like. Ooh, that's a great question. I don't know. Like, and honestly, they've never really said, but, like, they had to have been on something before they became captain and then before they became commissioner and, you know, chief and whatever. So, like. I think Grizz was on Grizz was on truck, I think, because if I remember correctly, he trained Kelly, but then Kelly came to 51 and fell in love with Squad. That's what I was, yeah. And I think Grizz always kind of held that against him a little bit that he went Squad. Right. But Bowden. Oh, who knows what Bowden. I'd love to know what Bowden was. But yeah, it just hit me, I guess, because they were actually, like, getting to have their hands dirty for once. I was like, I wonder what they were before this. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I never really, like, thought about that. I, like, I've never really thought about it, too, before this scene. But I that's what hit me in the scenes. I was like, I wonder if we've ever learned. So, yeah. But basically, they end up, you know, helping Kelly out and everyone's fine and yada, yada, yada. And basically afterwards, Severide does, you know, end up giving this, like, impromptu speech to come to Grissom's defense to in front of the review board. And, yeah. So, is Grissom good now? I feel the same way that I do about Price. Like, it seems like he does, but I don't trust him. Yeah, and, like, where do you... We had a question on Twitter from Tammy, and she said, where's the storyline going? That is a good question. I mean, is, is, it done? is it done? Do you think it's done, or do you think Grissom's gonna... I mean, I don't think it's done. What's the purpose of him coming back if it's done? Right, I just didn't know with, obviously, like, Gary Cole. Like, Gary, you know comes in comes out for a while and i just know but yeah yeah i'm kind of with you like okay we're allies for now okay but yeah i don't really know how long i believe that yeah i yeah i don't trust him yeah but right now okay you don't hurt any of us okay can't handle that but yeah, that's what's up in Severide and Grissom's world. But let's dive into Casey and Brett and the chaplain. This was pretty good, actually. Yeah, there's a lot. Not that I was expecting it to be bad, but I mean, I feel like we there's got, a lot of we got a lot different stuff to. Dive. Yeah, there's just there's a lot to dive into with this stuff. Yeah. So basically, in the beginning of this episode, Truck goes on a call to help police and basically they're when they get there the police are like yeah it's a suicide call and like they heard the shot go off but we can't get in because it's a hoarder and so we need you to help us get in which is literally just them moving boxes out of yeah, the way it wasn't even that bad of a hoarder situation i mean yeah there was a bunch of stuff but like this is not like extreme hoarders on tlc kind of level stuff or even that time <laughs> right. the from PD, I don't remember what season it was, but, like, way back in the Burgess and Atwater Patrol days when they, like, 
go to that hoarder's house and there ended up being like a boy in the basement. Do you remember that? No, I don't. That's from like season one, maybe season you. one even. But like that hoarder's house is even ten times worse than this. I did not think this house was like a hoarder, but whatever. Anyway. So turns out it was not a suicide call and Mm-mm. this guy was murdered by his brother because as Casey finds out, he gets tackled by this murderer and almost gets shot himself. Why is it that when when the police are involved and it's not intelligence, they always seem to fuck up somehow? Like do you notice so that? Bad. Yeah. It's so bad. That would not have happened if it was intelligence. No. That would have not even happened if, like, pre-intelligence Kim and Kevin were on patrol. Like, that would not have happened if Roman was on patrol. Like, that would have not happened. No. But, I mean, that's something that I wish they would kind of tweak a little bit. Because, again, these people who are, you know, not intelligence, usually they're actual Chicago police officers. Usually. Yeah. So, like... Yeah. But my favorite part of the whole thing was when they were like, yeah, like when they were walking in before Casey got like tackled and they're like, yeah, or no, after they look like after he gets tackled and that whole thing, he, they were like, yeah, looks, I guess it looks like murder. And we're just like, looks like murder. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, looks like murder. It definitely was murder, but okay. Where do you rank this on the pancaked by an elevator scale? Ooh. Definitely not as tension-filled as Pancaked by an Elevator, but definitely, like, worrisome. I still say the Pancaked by an Elevator incident might have been worse, which is funny because going back to Severide before, I was more freaked out by this stairwell collapsing than I was the time he was trapped under a chimney. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So... Yeah, my, my pancake by an elevator scale is all over the place. But yeah, pancake by an elevator was definitely the worst. But this is, like, one of Casey's worst moments. Worst in terms of what happened to him? Worst in terms of, like, what happened to him in the call and in Aftermath, but... Yeah. Yeah. So... But, of course, Stella, in this episode, when they're, like, walking out, you know, finishing up, Stella was is literally all of us every week. And we, she's like, do you just get bored? Like, nobody's trying to kill you lately, so you just go looking for it? And I was just like, that is us. Every week. <laughs> that is, like, the writers listening to yeah, us and being I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. That is us. Yeah. Although, it's been it's been a hot minute since Casey's, you know put himself in danger what 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 has happened since he got pancaked by the elevator? weren't we just talking about something like two or three weeks ago when we were like when we talked about the pancake by an elevator scale oh god maybe i don't know we it's were definitely like, talking about something yeah, like right a few weeks ago when we were talking about the pancake by an elevator scale but <laughs> yeah no this was not good but so Basically, everyone's kind of like, you know, Casey, like, everyone can see that Casey's, like, struggling with this. But everyone, you know, just thinks it's Casey and so that he'll pull through. But Brett is very worried. Very worried. And she checks in on him and she's trying to ask him and he's like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. But he's not. And so Brett decides to call the chaplain in, of course, hoping he can, you know, provide some shoulder for Casey to lean on. So 
Kyle, aka Chaplin, whatever you want to call him, goes and shows up at the law at Casey's loft, not at the firehouse. At Casey's loft, Severide's loft. Oh, but whatever. Yeah, Kate, where Casey's <laughs> living, Casey's residence. Yeah, and but basically, Casey ends up rebuffing him because you know, and like, kind of sounds annoyed once Kyle says that like Brett suggested that the chaplain show up, and Casey's like, yeah, no. We're not dealing with this. And I will say, though, like, I've really enjoyed the one-on-one moments with Brett and Casey this season. And I really like seeing that, like, Brett cares, like, very much about Casey. And I definitely wouldn't mind them mm-hmm. becoming the thing down the road. Like, just going to throw that out there. Uh, you're, I mean, I've been saying this for a I while. I, and I've said it before, but, like, this week I was like, wow. Like, I could really see that. I mean, and I think the analogy I approached you with was that they would be just like Ryan and Taylor from the OC. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of bonded after Marissa's death, so they're they're Brett and Casey are kind of bonding after mm-hmm. Gabby leaves. Yeah, definitely. I'd be a okay with it, and I'm down the road. They'd be yeah. I'd be. I I'd just be like fine I saw it. it more this week, and I was like, oh my god, yes. Like I kind of want this. Well, because it's like we were saying before, how you know Severide has those corners that people can't reach. I think Casey has certain corners that Brett is able to reach and be like, Casey, cut the shit. Like, talk to me. What's yeah, happening? For sure. Mm-hmm. And so, kind of going off that, though, Kyle, you know, is does it's not going to push Casey, but he does say, you know, like, you're not going to talk to me. Like, you've got to talk to someone. Like, talking to someone is important. Mm-hmm. And then we see this moment where Casey pulls out his phone, and for a hot second, Thinks about calling Gabby. Oh my god. Yeah. It's. No I was not expecting that at all. And I'm not even a Dossie shipper. But like I was not expecting that. No me neither. Me neither. That was definitely a shock. And I mean he thought about it. I think the part that killed me was when. I mean yeah he hesitated about it. But then later when he's talking to Bowden. He's like I haven't spoken to her in months. I'm like oh my god. Because like if he called her. I would like to think she would pick up that phone, but he hasn't called her in months, and, like, ugh, right in the heart. Yeah. Well, and then, <laughs> this is so terrible. What, I, my first thought was, like, is Puerto Rico, do you technically need international plans for Puerto Rico? <laughs> no, but, like, legitimately, do you need, like, an international, like, phone plan, or can you be fine with, like, your AT&T service in Puerto Rico. Keep talking. I will Google it. And so then I was like, well, what if Gabby didn't decide to pay for an international phone plan? Like, I mean, but like, that was like all first thoughts. Well, not first thoughts immediately, but like thoughts I had. Okay, how to call Puerto Rico? Because it's not like she would. I mean, even Mexico. Like, I'd say, Mexico, I'd be like, okay, Mexico, you know, but like Puerto Rico is like such a unique case that I was like do you technically need an international data plan to go to Puerto Rico I have the answer okay Puerto Rico calling should be local and not international calls being placed to Puerto Rico 787 should be considered as a local call or free since it's a territory of the United States along with the U.S. Virgin Islands so it should be considered a local call. Good to know. So Gabby has no excuse. Good to know. So she should not have had to get a new data plan or anything like that. Good to know. No. 
So if he had if he had picked or if he had called her, she should have picked right because it's not going to cost her like a hundred bucks. <laughs> right, right. Good to know. But yeah, so he ends up not calling Gabby, and he ends up ultimately settling on Bowden. And one of the things he was talking to Bowden about that I thought was just really interesting was you know he was saying like he can't move past the fact that like it really should have been him, and that it was just you know this moment of like. The gun failed, and if the gun hadn't failed, though, he would have been dead because he would have gotten shot in the brain. It's crazy, and that's what's really upsetting, Casey. And Bo- I mean, Bowden kind of just says, you know, like, I mean, Bowden gets where he's coming from, and Bowden's glad they talked to him, but he's like, you know, you can't really dwell on that. Like, you kind of you have to be able to move on, especially if you're going to be in this job. Like, you have to, like, you have to deal with it yourself, but like, you also have to be able to like deal with it while you're moving on yeah. like you can't let it yeah. just sit with you or else you're not going to be able to do your job to your best of your ability and it's okay if you can't do that then you just need to like obviously take time off but yeah i know i just thought it was really interesting i think one of the things i mean we talked about it a little bit with like going back to the crossover with like the otis and the ptsd stuff and to kind of see casey dealing with it in some in a smaller scale too like it's been really interesting to see fire deal with that a little bit more this season yeah it was really good to get a good meaty casey story i feel like we haven't had that well and definitely a good meaty casey story that hasn't had to revolve around a girl yeah because that's something we haven't seen in a while so yeah it yeah it was definitely nice and i like i said i just really like that they're tackling a little bit more ptsd in firefighting um yeah and, and that last scene was, like, you know, I mean, my heart broke for him when he was just kind of, like, crying with Bowden, and he was, like, you know, what do I do? And Bowden was, like, you just got to keep moving. I was really happy, though, that he ultimately settled in on Bowden. Because, like, that should have yeah. been who he should have talked to. I mean, Chaplin, okay, fine, because, like, the Chaplin is, like, I mean, that is his job, to, like, be able to talk to these people, you know, be there for them. But, like, if it yeah. was going to be anyone, I wanted it to be Bowden. And I didn't realize I needed that it to be voted until it happened but like i'm i needed it to be voted yeah and like that's not the kind of stuff he can talk to sev about he and sever bros you know yeah, for sure so that, and i yeah, think he and really could good. you know at some point get to there and you know could if they needed to but like that's not really what their friendship is their friendship is being there for each other in a different way right. and because this was right. kind of job related like that was where he needed to go to vote and for so right right but Brett, poor Brett, things did not go well for her either. So the chaplain ended up breaking up with Brett because he thinks their relationship is getting in the way of him doing his job. This I found weak. Because it just seemed like an easy excuse. There was zero buildup to it. Literally, Casey did absolutely nothing to plant any sort of seed of doubt in his head. I mean, Brett would have come to him regardless of whether they were dating. He's the chaplain. It's not like he was going to, you know, it's not like he, it's not like Brett would have gone somewhere else if she wasn't dating the chaplain. He's the chaplain regardless of whether they're dating. Right, but I think this wouldn't have necessarily been a situation that would have, like, warranted the chaplain. I mean, it probably should have. But, like, it probably doesn't necessarily get flagged in the same way as, like, Casey, you know, getting 
injured in a whatever kind of call and having to go to the hospital like that you know obviously when they see that in like a case file that's like oh they need to send the chaplain like i don't know if this would have necessarily have triggered the chaplain um yeah but i think i can see like why you say that it you know kind of came out of nowhere because it kind of did but on the other hand like i can kind of see it from the chaplain's point of view of like yeah maybe it doesn't necessarily interfere with any of their his job but like it could present problems down the road when you know he's trying to stay as neutral as on an issue and brett's there in the house but i don't know like i could see where it could present issues eventually but yeah so it just came out of nowhere i was just kind of like what even when he did explain it to her i was like this is still pretty weak there was absolutely no inkling you're telling me Casey spoke five words to him and Brett was and Chaplin was like oh I gotta bring up with her I think he just made him I think it was just the first time where you know like Casey was kind of seemed maybe a little annoyed that Brett brought it up and Brett's the reason that he was there and it might have been not been a total issue with in this situation but maybe he thought like oh if it's like kind of only a situation now like what kind of issues could it present in the future so yeah but I don't think these two are done. I don't think the chaplain and Brett are done. So, I mean, I hope not. We didn't. We got hardly anything out of them. We just kind of heard they were cute. We never really got to see them yeah. be cute. But kind of going off of that, we did get a question from Ainsley on Twitter, and she said, "Do you think they're setting up for a Bretonia reunion more towards the end of the season?" No. I as much so. as I eventually hope they would go back to Bretonia at some point, just because they did not do that justice, and I have still so many things i want to see for them i we're there's been no inkling of that whatsoever this season and yeah no no they're in two different places right now and we've already talked about how lacking antonio has been on pd and i don't think it's gonna he's gonna go over to fire anytime soon so no yeah so yeah that's the brett and casey chaplin stuff and then just our, you know, our comedic B story or C story, whatever we're calling it, Otis, the Otis stuff. Um, basically, Otis ended up winning a mysterious sports package in a raffle, which gave him the chance to win $10,000 at an upcoming Blackhawks game if he could, like, make a goal. I have so many issues with this sports package. <laughs> okay. Ahead. Why the hell is a sports package you winning the chance to win $10,000? Um, like, typically know. in a raffle, when you hear, like, when you're raffling off things, you, if you, especially if you were going to say, like, a sports package, okay, fine. Tickets to the Blackhawks game, cool. But then it would have been, like, an autograph this and a, you know, jersey for X team and a, you know, like, more memorabilia. Like, since when is a sports, like, when can they raffle off the chance to win $10,000? Like, what if someone spends, well, I see it. What if someone spends $5,000 on the win chance to win 10? Like, I don't know. I just, you never hear about something like that in a raffle. No, but I mean, I feel like if they're going to spend $5,000 on a raffle ticket, the the prize is going to be way sweeter than that. I mean, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, I mean, because there were different levels to it. There was, like, the $25,000 cash. So there were different levels to it. Mm -hmm. So, but, like, I don't know. I just, when when they said sports package, I was like, 
all you want in the sports package is the chance to win $10,000. Like, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he won tickets because obviously he's at the Blackhawks game, but still. They actually shot that at the at an actual Blackhawks game. Actually at a game or just at the arena and they put in extras? No, like at the actual game. Derek ended up posting the script page on Thursday, which again is just How do I miss the these? Damn it. Let me pull this up. Lots of gifts. There we go. Okay. Yeah, here it is. Okay, so on the ice, Otis is escorted to a red carpet at center ice. As a cheery announcer fires up the crowd, Otis focuses on the puck, takes aim, and shoots. It looks to be on target, sliding down the ice, heading for the little rectangular cutout at the base of the goal. And whatever happens, happens, because we're shooting this at the real event. Oh, shit. No, but I'll have to look it up. That's cool. I didn't, like I said, I missed that somehow, So, but that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> whatever happens, happens, because... We're shooting it at the real event. That's funny. Yeah. I guess that I feel like recently I did see something about them, like, at a Blackhawks game. Like, I guess maybe in January. But I just assumed they were going to Blackhawks game because, like, they go to Blackhawks games. Like, that's not, you know, like, completely out of the ordinary for the cast. So. Yeah. No, that's cool. But anyway... So the whole thing is if he can make this goal, he obviously wins $10,000. Um, and But, of course, Otis doesn't know how to play hockey, which everyone's like, really? You're Russian. Like, how do you not know how to play hockey? But he doesn't know how to play hockey. So Foster and Brett end up treating this hockey player, of course, coincidence, who was bitten by a spider. And then Foster uses that to get Otis some actual, like, legit hockey help. Um, and Otis ends up making the goal, and yeah, wins ten thousand dollars. Wins ten thousand dollars. Yep, I mean, pretty cool. That hockey player was that Zach McGowan. Who? You don't know who Zach McGowan is? Uh, there's an a- an actor. He's British. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. The hundred. Oh, a bunch I of do other know. I, I know his name. When you said right hundred, I know who. I think I know who you're talking about. Um, I'm gonna Google this. Hold on. I don't think we ever really got, like, we never really found out, but, I mean, he looks just like, that actor looked just like Zach McGowan, and I was like, was that seriously him? Um, let me see if I can IMDb him. Hold on. I don't think it was based off what we're Googling. Yeah, here, based but... on IMDb, it wasn't. It's apparently... If he hasn't already been an FBI, he's going to be an FBI. Yes. I love that. So, yeah. But no, I don't think so. It looked a lot like him. That's why I asked. But yeah. Yeah. And I feel like if it would have, you would have noticed it in like the credits or something. Yeah. 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 Also, I hate spiders. And I did that storyline. I was just like, no, 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 no. Oh, no, same. Yeah, same. Brett and Foster's reaction was me, literally. I was like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah, I was like, no, 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 no. Anyway. But yeah, that, I mean, that was all the Otis stuff, you know, always just, they just do so well with their comedic stuff. So that stuff was always great. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, that's it for fire. Um, let's move into PD. Yeah, so we'll split up. I guess we'll talk about the case and then like the price parts real quick, and then we'll talk about Kim at the end because a lot of people had a lot to say about Kim, even though it was like one scene in the episode. Um, But so the case. So basically, Void has this long time CI, and she, you know, did what she needed to do, and she's getting ready. You know, finally got enough money. She's gonna leave and. You know, they're celebrating her, you know, whatever. Voight offers to drive her to the airport the next morning. And she's like, yeah, great, that'd be great. And, but when Voight shows up to pick her up from the airport, as it turns out, she was abducted by a serial killer. Because that's how PD rolls. And as it turns out, of course, though, first of all, of course this longtime CI's name is Lexi and she references Al. Like, come on now. So like, not cool. What the hell? Not cool. Too soon. It will always be yeah. too soon. So basically, I mean, there's a lot of like nitty gritty details for this case that we could get into, but like really aren't important. So I'm kind of going to gloss over like a lot of the basic or just kind of get to the basics. So basically, as I said, CI was abducted by a serial killer. As it turns out, the serial killer had also ended up killing like three more victims that no one had linked him to. And was suspected of killing far more who had, like, just stayed missing. But, like, obviously, like, were probably dead. So, basically, again, blood has revealed that, you know, all these other cases were linked. And that homicide, back in the day when they were investigating at least one of these cases, you know, probably could have solved it back then, but didn't. Oh, man, Homicide just ruined everything this episode. So, Voight ends up tracking down the Homicide detective who originally worked the case. And he told him that Kelton had shut down the investigation back then because he wanted to keep his stats looking good. And he didn't want, like, a serial killer on the loose, like, basically tarnishing his reputation. Yeah, we did learn that this week that, you know... So, we, I mean, last week we learned that Price might be a good guy, but this week we learned that Kelton is absolute trash. Yeah, there is no way Kelton, we want Kelton to be mayor. No. Not at all. But then again, I don't think we want Price to be mayor either. Price is hiding something. As of right now, though, I feel like I'd rather have Price than Kelton, so. No, I hear you there. But where it really gets, like, fucked up with, like you said, homicide ruining everything, of course, is so basically, like, you know, they're working on solving the case. They think, you know, things are finally starting to come to head. And they basically end up following the, their perpetrator to an abandoned building. And, but, of course, you know, as they're getting ready to arrest the guy and bring him in and question him about Lexi and all that stuff, Homicide rolls up following orders, presumably from Kelton. But, of course, you know, this makes ten things ten times worse because they... Homicide ends up shooting this guy, the perp, before Voight could even find out where he was keeping Lexi. He's <sighs> like, oh, SMH, my God. Fucking Homicide. Nobody invited Homicide to the episode. But actually, though, nobody invited Homicide. And so they do end up finding Lexi's body, but of course it was too late. And it really wouldn't have been if they hadn't had to waste like an hour of their round messing around with Homicide. So messed up. And that scene was intense. Which one? The 
find Lexi. When they find her, yeah, and like Void's doing compressions, and Burzik steps, or not Burzik, Burgess, Burgess, she steps forward to stop him, and Ruzik stops her, and he's like, no, just like, let I know. Go. I know. When Void is like attached to CIs like this, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's hard. It is hard, it, and it never, ever works out. Like, when Voight was like, you know, Lexi left here alive, and that's how we're going to find her, I was like, no, it's not. I'm sorry, Voight, but it's just it's not. It's the only time it's ever worked out for Voight, the very, like, the pilot episode. What, with the CI? What, with the yeah. CI? I don't think so. The pilot. Yeah, when the when Boyd ends up like helping save that kid and like sends him away to live with his aunt or whatever he goes. Oh, okay. No, it's not because there's also the time right when we had been introduced to Will, and the guy had been shot, and um, Boyd had Jay call Will, and Will and Jay kind of treated the oh, guy yeah, together. Yeah. That was the one where they, they he ended up sending him off to Canada. So it has worked out. Okay, it does more often times than not. Boyd's CIs end up dying. Yeah. Right. I mean, all their CIs can end up dying, don't they? <laughs> Sometimes more than not. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's really the case. I mean, again, there was like 10 million other like nittier, grittier details, but like this is the basis of what you needed to know for... It was a really dense case, like lots and lots of details. Yeah, I still don't know if, honestly, I'd probably have to go back and watch it a couple more times to, like, actually fully grasp, mm-hmm. like, everything. Yeah. But, so let's talk about the price part of it all real quick, because this is obviously clearly where we're going towards, like, finale territory. Like, we're looking forward to the future. Like, this is, like, where we're going, like, in terms of, like, an overarching storyline. Um, so basically, I mean, there's not, like, a ton to talk about, because Bryce was really only in the beginning and the end. But basically, so in the beginning of the episode, Price and Void are meeting to talk about, you know, poll results. And apparently, Price and Kelton are neck and neck. So it's like a very close race. And basically, Price wants Void's help with the election and warns, you know, Kelton's like maybe even going to disband intelligence if he wins. Like, you know, Price wants Void on his side. But then, of course, after everything that Kelton does... Void, that's convinced Void enough to, like, definitely not do anything Kelton-related and lean into Price and lean into what Price is doing and helping Price try to win, if it means stopping Kelton. So they meet again, and Void shares everything about the serial killer and about Kelton's involvement in the case with Price and even gives Price an incriminating email to use against Kelton. That'll basically yeah, prove that Kelton. Yeah, that was That was really interesting, especially from the idea of, like, Voight doesn't get involved with politics, or he says he doesn't get involved. But, like, he clearly is getting involved, so. I loved that last line when Voight hands him the email and Price just goes, welcome to the fight, Hank. Like, he tried so hard to not get involved, and then he just, like, couldn't help himself and did. Yeah. I loved it. So, that's clearly where we're going towards finale territory, because they're hyping up this mayoral race. And obviously, like we said, and we've said for weeks, you know, Price's daughter's coming in, and, you know, there's a lot going on in this race. Getting heated. Big time. 
Um, so we'll quickly, you know, there's not a ton left to talk about because, again, the case was very dense, so that was most of it, and I kind of skipped over some of the details for that. So, but we got a lot of, you know, lots of reactions to the Burgess Blair stuff, even though it was literally one scene. So, yeah. basically, uh, was it last week we met Blair or two weeks ago? Oh, no, it was two weeks. It was two weeks ago because last week was the crossover. So two weeks ago, we met Blair, a.k.a. Charles Michaels Davies, a.k.a. I love Charles Michaels Davies. Um, And it was literally one scene they had met. We were like, I guess this is going to be a thing. Okay. So it is a thing. Burgess went out and slept with Blair. And, you know, they wake up in bed together the next day. And there's, you know, not a ton to talk about. I mean... A lot of people just want to know, like, kind of where we see this going. So, Emily P. asked us, anyone else see this being, like, a Matt Miller 2.0? He works for Carlton, and Kim will get yelled at by Voight, forced to make a choice, and hopefully will choose her team. I see him as possibly using Kim for information. He even asked her opinion about price. Same thing occurred last season. Adam even told her that she made the right choice choosing intelligence because they are, like, a family so my hope is that this makes Adams jealous, so ready for Bursic to be back at this point, even though I know it's hopeless. So I didn't think about it possibly being a Matt Miller 2.0. It kind of escaped me at the time that he works for Kelton. I completely had forgotten, and then somebody brought it back up, and I was like, oh, that's going to make things interesting. I don't really want him to be a Matt Miller 2.0, because like you said, I like Charles Michael Davies too. <laughs> Again, younger. You gotta watch younger. It's really good. That is, that's what we gotta do. We gotta do an episode about younger because you know how we did one about night shift. We gotta do one about younger. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I feel like they they seemed like they were pretty good together based off the what two scenes we've seen now. Yeah, two scenes. Literally two scenes. Not even just two episodes. Two literally scenes. Two. You know what though? And I had an interesting reaction to this because, and I think everybody kind of reacted the same. Is that we saw that first scene and mostly everybody was like, "Get it, Kim! Like, go, girl! You got it!" But we don't always have the same reaction based on the other characters because when Upzik happened, we weren't like, get it, Upton. We were like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, but I think that has to do with more of like, you said like Upton hooked up with Ruzik and you know, yeah. like who she hooked up with. Like if Upton hooked up with like Blair in this situation, I think we all would have been like, and she hadn't hooked up with Ruzik up until this point. Like if the situations were reversed, I think we all would have been like, yeah, get it, Upton. Mm. yeah I, I don't know I, I reacted I, I I mean I reacted the way I did and I was like yes get it Kim but then I was like well wait like I've reacted differently in and other I situations also, so like why I also think standard? too I mean yeah maybe for a second like everyone was some people weren't as I mean we definitely weren't as like turned off by the Ruzik and Upton of it all just because like at that point we thought it was going to be like a hookup maybe a friends with benefits thing and that's it and obviously it's turned out to be something mm-hmm. way more than we thought it was going to be this, mm-hmm. whatever ends up happening, nobody thinks it's ever going to get that serious. Whether it ends up being, like, a Matt Miller or not, like, we all know, I think, that it's not going to be that serious. Right. So I think right. it's okay, it's more okay for us to be, like, okay with Kim hooking up with Blair because we know that there's not going to probably be anything serious and it's going to play, it's going to be more about the politics part of it than it is going to be actually about, like, them, like, developing a romance. 
Yeah, and the politics part of it is going to be the interesting part because it seems right now that Void is on Price's side, but is Burgess going to be on Kelton's solely out of blind devotion to Blair? Or is, you know, is something going to happen that's going to make her want to Right, and whatever her, relate, you know, that previous relationship she had with Brennan and, like, yeah. So, yeah. But I think, I think the Blair storyline is going to be way more about the politics part of it than it is about the romance part, which is why I think it's also okay. Like, okay, yeah. Kim, go have sex with Blair. I don't really care. Like, you know, it's not the same thing as, like, Upton and Ruzik, like, sleeping together and having feelings and, you know, whatever else they're doing. I don't know. But (laughs) so I think that's why I'm personally, like, okay with saying, like, yeah, Kim, go get it. But then Upsick being like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Um, But then Haley G also sent us an email about this. And she said... I saw this question posed by Vicky, a.k.a. at Burgess Ruzik on Twitter, so please give her credit if you answer it, but I was curious what your thoughts would be. So, with Burgess getting a new love interest, do you think PD would do two love triangles, the Haley J. Adam, Kim Adam Blair? If there is a triangle with Burgess, do you think Adam's feelings for her could lead to the end of Upsick, like Haley picks up on it and ends it because they both have feelings for other people? Ooh, this is a good question. Yeah. Okay, so Haley J. Adam. And then Kim, Adam Blair. Kim Blair. Kim Blair. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm I know. Out the shape. It's like, it's a love, like, bow tie. It's like two, tri- yeah, <laughs> it's like two triangles put together, and then Adam's, like, focal point of it all. Interesting, yeah. It's a love bow tie. <laughs> um, I think Adam's feelings could definitely lead to the end of Upzik. Those two are on two different pages, Upton and Ruzik. They're on two completely different pages, and something is going to break them. I just don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. Here's my thing. I don't know if I necessarily go so far as to say the Haley J. Adam love triangle is definitely real. Definitely real. I, I think we all know that it's heading towards the upset part, and I don't know what's gonna how Upsick's gonna not be together, but they're not gonna be together anymore. I think that's very clear. Or even if it doesn't yeah. end with like Upsick breaking up, but like Jay's definitely gonna say something to Haley by the end of the season. That I think we can all agree on. Whether it ends with them together and yeah. Upsick actually breaking up, I don't know. But Jay's gonna say something. That love triangle is definitely real. As for the mm-hmm. Kim Adam Blair. I don't know. I think it depends really what they decide to do with the Blair part of it. Like, I, like we were just talking, like, I think Blair's going to be more about the politics part, not necessarily about the romance. But if they decide to make it a little bit more about the romance, too, then, like, I guess I could see it maybe being a possibility. But right now, Adam's so into Upton that, like, it almost kind of makes it hard for me to believe, even though I do deep down think that he still has feelings for Kim and obviously like Kim is the person he should be with that like he would leave his Haley world to go deal with the Kim Adam Blair I mean Kim Blair stuff but is he so into her though this is what baffles me about this ship is that there was zero buildup. And so, yeah, Haley's like, I really care about him. I really care about him. I'm like, no, you actually really care about Jay. You're just using Adam as a placeholder. But with Adam, I mean, does he really care about her? Or is it just kind of a fuck buddy thing? Or is that Adam where he just jumps into things like head first, you know, two footed? Like I don't think home? it's just a fuck buddy thing because we obviously have seen that 
I mean, Adam makes jokes about, like, them moving in together and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So whether or not he's, like, serious about her, I don't know. But, like, I definitely think it's more than a fuck buddy thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, I think Adam really likes a chase. And for the most part, Upton has been a lot of chase. And so I don't know, again, whether he's, like, in love with her. I don't know. But right now he seems very into her. And... I guess, it, again, I think it really just depends on where they go with the Kim Burgess or Kim Blair stuff. On yeah. where and how for what that ends up being and like how Adam can possibly fit into it and whether that becomes like a full blown love triangle or not. Yeah. I almost feel like the way Ruzik has been with Upton kind of begs the question of of how just how much and in what way he loves Kim because I mean with Burgess it seemed like he fell head over heels right but did he actually fall head over heels or is that the way he loves is he just loves that intensely right off the bat does that make sense yeah no it definitely makes sense I don't know if I'd say though he loves up are you talking about like comparing to Upton yeah I mean is that just the way that he is in relationships That, like, right from the get-go, he's, like, 1,000% in and just, like, loves that person with his whole heart. I don't know. That's so interesting. I think it's interesting, too, because, like, we can't really know with the Upton part because Upton, it took so long for Upton to, like, even come slightly around to him as, like, more than just, yeah. like, a fuck buddy. So right. I think there is some truth to, like, Adam being just a guy that jumps right into things. Again, there's just so many things to this Upton Ruzik relationship that, oh God, it's so hard. Yeah, I mean, it really has lent itself to a lot of good discussions this season. And a lot of burning questions. Yeah. And I think the only other thing I'll say, too, is like, I can't tell because we all are dying for Burzik to be back together. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm, like, I'm giving up hoping for people to, like, stop coming up with, like, potential ways for them to come back together. But, like, I can't tell, too, if, like, in some cases where we want Berzik to be a reality so bad that we're trying to come up with ways for him to, like, for them to get back together. Yeah. So. But, I mean, obviously, I'm not giving up hope. Like, I still, obviously, want Berzik over Upton or Upsick or whoever Burgess else would hook up with so yeah yep yeah and so then we just got a few random things that didn't really fit necessarily into a category um on Twitter that I mean we obviously still want to address both of them come from Leah like Leah 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 so she was just talking about how Jay is now Voight's good angel and Ruzik is now Voight's bad angel. Or Hothead to Jay is now the voice of reason to Ruzik's ride or die. Take your pick. Mostly the same idea, just whatever phrase you prefer. Oh, interesting. So talk about how Jay's kind of the angel on Voight's shoulder and, Vo- and Ruzik's kind of the devil. Yeah. And whereas, like, not, the, Jay, not that so, Jay was ever the devil, but, like, you know, Jay was just... But, like, almost how... You know, in the early seasons, it was kind of Antonio was the angel on his shoulder and Al was like the devil. 
Oh, interesting. Okay, I mean, I got a vibe in this episode that Jay was kind of not in the mood for Voight's shit. Only when he was like, let's do this, you know, the right way. I was like, oh, you're not really in the mood tonight, are you? Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely, I mean, you could definitely obviously tell. I mean, and I think that also has to do with Al's influence. That, like, Ruzik was always on Voight's. Voight, Ruzik has always been a ride or die for Voight, especially after everything in season five. Like, Ruzik was definitely, has definitely evolved into, like, Voight's ride or die. Like, I definitely agree with that. The Jay stuff is interesting. Yeah, because I think, like you said, like, in the beginning, Antonio was, like, the angel on Voight's shoulders. Um, and Jay, to an extent, had always been an angel, too. But now it's definitely become, like, Jay's role to be, like, the sole angel on Voight's shoulders. And I feel like we'd seen, we'd seen the, the, you know, we'd seen them kind of setting the, like, setting the the way for that, you know. Um, Even in the early seasons when Voight and Al were going to kill Pulpo and Jay went and talked them out of it. Was it Pulpo? Yeah, it was Pulpo. So I mean I think I think we we saw the we saw them kind of pave the way for that. So yeah, I, I absolutely see yeah. it. Um Yeah, and I mean even when, when Voight went to punch the guy from homicide, like Jay was the one to pull him off. Yeah. I, I see I see Ruzik being the devil on his shoulder more so than I see Jay being the angel, but that doesn't mean it's not I think fair. it's almost like the angel right now is like kind of a combination of like Jay and Haley. Yeah. Like, Antonio just hasn't been around enough. Like, it was definitely Antonio, I mean, up until, I'd say, like, last season, for sure. But, like, this season, Antonio's just been so MIA and like, everything. Like, he's there, but he's not, like, actually having a presence. So, like, he's been on MIA to me. But, um, that now it's definitely this season, it's been, like, a Jay, I'd say even Haley, too. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of because the Upsteads are a package deal. Yeah. And that's why they work so well together. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing she just tweeted at us kind of going on the upsteads was, you know, she said, PD better have upstead in mind. I don't expect by the end of the season, but with the renewal, they have plenty of time to play next season. I think Upton's had a crush on Jay since Fagan. Her first episode, Jay's feelings are a lot more recent. Yeah. I mean, I definitely kind of like we were just talking about, like, whether – they end up together by the end of the season. I don't know. That seems like a lot to ask on a show that is now kind of just digging back into romance for the first time in like a whole season. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially because five didn't really have romance at all. And so really since four, this is the first season they've kind of gone back to that. Um, Yeah. So I think it's a lot to ask, but I definitely think we're going to see some sort of reveal from Jay. You think Jay's going to make the first I move? think Jay's going to say something. Why you think Upton is? I um, I could imagine Upton saying something first. Interesting. I just feel like Jay's now realized his feelings and he like especially after last week when he like looked like he was going to say something and then stopped himself. I just feel like Jay, it's just going to come out of Jay first. But I could be wrong. I like to think that Jay is not going to disrespect Adam. And so he's not going to kiss her or say something unless he knows that they're not together anymore. I would like to think he's going to do that for Adam. I mean, I don't know how bro code works, but I think it works something like that. Yeah, interesting. I, I don't know. We'll see. 
Um, but I do think there, you know, it is an interesting point too. I mean, again, not to get into too much speculation, but obviously, I wonder if them getting renewed now changes any way they were planning their approach finales like any of them not just pd i don't know i mean because it's not like the shows were ever in jeopardy right they were always going to get renewed right i mean i think you like to know that but i i just didn't know if it i mean i don't think it would have but i was just curious if it did yeah um or maybe, like, and maybe not, like, completely change, like, storylines, but, like, maybe if it would have altered, like, a scene or something. Like, maybe someone, I don't know. I'd, like, you know, I'm just curious. Especially because, like, right now, I mean, we've seen it on Twitter. Like, Derek, they're, like, working on, like, writing the finale, like, right now for Fire. Um, so I'm assuming they're kind of in yeah. the same page or place for PD and Med, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's certainly yeah. a possibility. So, and especially like like I said, Leia just brought it up. So I was just, it was just something I've been thinking about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, that is episode ninety six. Um, as always, guys, you can find us on all forms of social media: Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram. Meet us at Molly's. Our website: meet us at Molly's and you can email us: meet us at Molly's at gmail so, here's what we're thinking. So, as we all know, show's not on this week. As far as we know, shows are on not on the week after that. Presumably, according to Marina's tweet, she had said something like, see you guys in three weeks. So, we're thinking the show's come back on air March 20th. So, here's what we're thinking for us. We think we're going to take a week off just because... March is kind of crazy for all of us and Gina needs to get fully healthy and rested so we're going to take this week off so that means the next time you will hear from us again is march 18th which sounds like so far away but it's really done well wouldn't it be the wouldn't it be the oh 15th 15th? i'm sorry we're not posting on monday the 15th that still sounds like a long way away even though it's not so Mm -hmm. the 15th they'll hear from us on the 15th but as for what we're going to record that week we have no idea so let us know what you'd be interested in hearing. Would you want us to do like a re- more recaps of old episodes? I mean, we talked about like doing Pulpo episodes and like doing like a whole deep dive into Pulpo, kind of like we did Greg Gates. Um, we can do, I mean, just a straight recap of something that's not like a whole series or like a set of shows. Um, we can do a mailbag where you just send us questions and we can answer them. Like, let us know what you guys would be interested in hearing. Um, because mm-hmm. we really have no idea what we want to do for that week. So, yeah. But, yeah, otherwise, I you can also find us on our social medias. I'm at BrianaK13, Gina. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Otherwise, guys, we will see you on March 15th. Come find us on Twitter in the meantime. And, yeah, we will talk to you guys then. Bye.